coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We are a weekly podcast with new episodes coming out every Tuesday afternoon, which you can listen to whenever you feel like it, because it's a podcast, and hopefully you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. On today's show, we have our November recipe from Abby. We'll be eating and telling you how to make warm quinoa apple and sausage salad with white bean sage sauce, roasted delicata, and walnut salsa. So good. Our guests today are executive chef Jeffrey Jew and brand ambassador and bartender extraordinaire Sarah Ellen Burnett from Stillwater's Tavern. We will talk to Jeff about what it was like to work for Gordon Ramsay, also his experience on season 10 of Top Chef, and both Jeff and Sarah will tell us how things have evolved in the three years at Stillwater's Tavern. And we're going to drink some champagne. Bubbles. After that, we'll play our music segment, open our lunchbox, share our tip of the week, and have a gluten-free wrap-up. All of that is coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So grab a snack, pour a drink, and relax while we serve up the show. Been to Anata lately, or at all? My best friend was just recently in town, and I took her to all of my favorite places, and she proclaimed Anata as her absolute favorite. They're known for their great wines and cheese and charcuterie, but I am in lust with the entrees and specials Chef Josh dreams up. I finally got to try the short rib bolognese, and it was fantastic. The M3, which is a mushroom and truffle risotto, is nothing short of sensual. Next time, I want to try the charred octopus arrabbiata pasta. We have had the octopus appetizer, and it's amazing, but this pasta sounds nice and spicy, just like I like it. You really must go to Winata. Anata Restaurant and Wine Bar is located at 300 Beach Drive in downtown St. Petersburg. They open every day at 4 p.m. You really must go to Anata. So it's once again my favorite time of the month when yes. Abby Allen feeds us because she's, <laughs> you're amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you for emailing us way back when and when I initially said uh no we don't need any help we're good and yeah glad I changed that answer (laughs) me too because we we just ate uh this is our monthly recipe segment so you will find this recipe with delicious drool worthy photos and great instructions on stpetersburgfoodies.com and it is the warm quinoa apple and sausage salad with white bean sage sauce Roasted delicata and walnut salsa. Mm-hmm. And Lori said, well, what are, what are we having today? And I told her, and she's like, what? 
I have to admit, <laughs> I doubted you, Abby. Yeah, with good reason. That is uh, not something I would normally order anywhere or choose to make, but it was amazing. What happened to me was I saw sausage. That's all I saw. I'm like, I'm in. There's sausage. He did. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it'll fix anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the other didn't need fixing either. No, it didn't. And, and delicata, I have to admit, we didn't even know what that was. I had to Google it, and I see squash, and I told Lori squash. She's like, oh, squash. Oh, that's good. So what kind of squash is that? It, what makes it different? It's just a delicata squash. I mean, it looks, it's just a little, so you know, acorn squash and butternut squash, and this one's just a little smaller. I don't really know what, where the name came from. The first recipe I made with it was a recipe from Allison Roman. She was a contributor for Bon Appetit magazine. I think she contributes to New York Times some recipes. Mm-hmm. Okay, haven't cooked with delicata squash much. Let's let's try it out. And it's kind of a seasonal thing. You can really only find it this time of year for the most part. In the summer, you're really not going to find it anywhere. And she, you know, in her recipe, sliced it up, kept the seeds in, you know, kept the skin on, which I was like, whoa, what are we, what are we doing here? What am I doing? And she says, yes, keep those seeds in there, great texture. And I'm like, okay, after making it, this is fantastic. So now every time I cook with delicata squash, skin stays on, seeds stay in, and it's fantastic. Yeah, you get some nice crunch in there with the yes. seeds. Yep. And, and some nice texture also with the skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool idea. I'm a texture kind of gal, so. Yeah. So, and delicata, I mean, just sounds like delicate, so petite, small. You said they're smaller. Yeah, they sense. are smaller, yes. But it's different from yellow squash. Yes, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. Very yellow different. squash you can get almost year-round. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and yep. quinoa, I did a little research, as I tend to do. It's considered a super grain because it's high in fiber, and it's a high-quality protein, and it has more protein than any other grain while also packing in iron and potassium, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> and it's originally from South America. They're trying to grow it. In, they grow it in North America now, in the U.S. and Canada. But the best stuff still comes from South America. I guess it's native to there, so makes sense to me. Interesting. It's also, in addition to being referred to as a super grain, it's referred to as an ancient grain. That's given to grains whose use can be traced back to the very beginning of human history. Wow. And have pretty much remained unchanged. And, and it's... Most people probably know this part, but it's, it's the seeds that we're actually consuming, even though in ancient times they ate the leaves as well. Mm-hmm. So hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, maybe five or six years ago is when it seemed to really, in the U.S., become Ramp a, a up. thing. Like yes. Suddenly it's like, what is this uh, quinoa? <laughs> oh, the first time I went to the grocery store to buy it, probably maybe five, six years ago. I'm like, do you have this quin- quinoa? Queen? She's like quinoa. I'm like, oh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all like. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we just ate this, and damn. It was so good. It's got the sweet, the savory, but it's not too sweet. It's just, um, and there's walnuts in there, so it has this texture with it, and, and the seeds from the um, squash. It's really, it was, a, it was delicious. How did you do the walnut salsa? So the walnut salsa, all it is is, walnuts i crushed them with the mortar and pestle you know crush them up not real fine just so they're small and chunky mix that with some olive oil a touch of agave which adds a little more sweetness salt and pepper and some green onion mix that all up and that's it is this a a main a side you know well wait if you were going to make this for say thanksgiving Mm -hmm. obviously you know a side but we i mean when i made it what two weeks ago or so we did it for a main dish, and it's, I mean, it's filling. Oh, it's yes. very filling, and, you know, you get a little bit of everything. You get your veggies, you get your meat, you get 
your grain. So, yes. I mean, you spin that however way you wanted. Right. So, so to- totally could be a, a main or a side. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it came together, oh my gosh, in 45 minutes. I mean, it's, I mean, the squash takes about a half hour to cook, but that's, I mean, set it and, and how, do you, it. how do you cook that? Squash, I just um, toss it in a bowl with some olive oil, salt mm-hmm. and pepper, lay it on a baking sheet with some parchment um, and an even single layer, pop it in the oven at 425 for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. And it comes out as this perfect, crispy, yet soft on the inside mm-hmm. squash. So, yeah. And then the quinoa, which we were just talking about, I added a little health twist to that. I cook the quinoa instead of water. I use bone broth. And that adds some more flavor as well, as well as, you know, making it a little more nutrient dense. Nice. And the white bean sage sauce was very creamy. It almost almost in appearance looked like like creamy mashed potatoes. Yes. Yeah. Still a little chunky. So I just threw like a can of white beans into the food processor. Mm Mm-hmm with a few cloves of garlic, a handful of sage, some olive oil, and then some nutritional yeast, which adds kind of like a cheesy bite. There's actually about a fourth of a cup of that in there. And then to thin it out, you add in a little bit of water, like a couple of tablespoons at a time until you get your you know, consistency that you want. I think I ended up using about a half cup actually to get it to where I wanted. So yeah. where, where do you get your nutritional yeast? Trader Joe's. Really? I find the cheapest yeast from there. It's $2.99 and you get a, you know, a nice bag full of it. And I mean, we don't use it a ton. I mean, it'll last you, you know, for a few months or so. So yeah. Now I have to send an invoice to Trader Joe's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny, honey. So it's really, there's a few different ingredients that are made kind of separately. Is that correct? And then you combine them? Yes. So everything is kind of, it starts out as its own little being. And then at the end, you plate everything. So it starts off with the quinoa. You get that cooking with the the bone broth. And then, you know, you, you have your squash roasting. And in the meantime, you take your skillet and you cook up your sausage, ground Italian sausage. I used, I think, just mild. Get that cooking, add in a shallot, add in your, your apple. And then once your quinoa is done, you turn the heat down, add that in with the sausage. And then you kind of just develop everything. You got your sauce, which comes together in a couple of minutes. The salsa comes together in two minutes. So it starts with a layer of the quinoa sausage mixture, layer of the sauce, squash, salsa, done. Awesome. And we didn't say it earlier because it's probably obvious, but since we're in mid-November, this is our fall-themed recipe, even though the lows are like in the upper 60s <laughs> right, at best right at mm-hmm. best yeah, yeah we're, fr- we're freezing here trying uh, to <laughs> yeah trying to make it feel like fall as, as best we can with the food i suppose so yes so with thanksgiving coming up next week this is a great side dish yes yes i will be adding it to our thanksgiving thinking dinner. about adding it to mine as well yes yeah we yeah. should yeah i think i'm going to Lori will put her own twist on it. She'll change like six things. So, Abby, you mentioned, I think, uh, earlier that you don't really do a traditional Thanksgiving. No, never. We don't do a traditional Thanksgiving or Christmas, for that matter. I'm kind of a rebel mm-hmm. around the holidays. We'll do, you know, usually don't do a turkey. We'll do prime rib. Last year we did prime rib. Christmas, I think we did tenderloin, which is a little more common. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you won't. In my kitchen on Thanksgiving, you won't see a, a ham or a turkey. Probably not even traditional items like mashed potatoes and not a traditional stuffing of course i'll get something crazy so yeah i like to well at this point 
we're, we're believers at this point, so we'd just be like, who cares? It's going to be awesome anyway. <laughs> right. We're coming over. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. For our, for our Thanksgiving, we're going to dress up as pilgrims and Indians. Not really. That was like in elementary school. But anyway. yeah, we're, so, so you're, you're, you're going to be home. For Thanksgiving? Just you and Mike? Or? No. So actually, we're venturing to Fort Lauderdale. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have family in Fort Lauderdale. So um, we're going to drive down. Well, my, my birthday is the, the day before, so we're going to spend a night nice. in Miami. Happy, happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to drive down and check out Miami, eating at Los Fuegos, which is Francis nice. Malman's restaurant. He's my favorite chef. So cool. excited about that. And then we'll head up to Thanksgiving or to Fort Lauderdale to do the whole Thanksgiving. I will be yeah. watching for the photos on Facebook and Instagram. And you can catch our official Instagram is St. Pete Foodies. All one word, no dots, dashes, and other stuff. St. Pete Foodies. And you can catch Abby's Instagram at? A-B underscore M-I-A. So, M-I-A. Yep. Ab M-I-A. Nice. Yeah. There's some awesome food photos on there. So check them out. <laughs> Thanks, right. Abby. Thanks for being here again, Abby. Thank you. And thank you for the food it was awesome oh you're more than welcome can't wait next time can't wait till next month yes (laughs) we'll be right back welcome back to the saint petersburg foodies podcast our guests today are executive chef jeffrey jew and brand ambassador and bartender extraordinaire sarah ellen burnett from stillwaters tavern welcome to the show thank you thank you for having us you're very welcome. Thanks for bringing bubbles. Yeah. We might have to require that going forward now. Uh, alcohol is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you've worked in restaurants in New York City, Miami, Washington, D.C., and even worked for Gordon Ramsay in London. I did. How did you end up in St. Pete? Well, St. Pete. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Trevor Burgess that owns C1 Bank, and he and I are very good friends. I've known him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And my partner, Jim, was just graduating from Georgetown with a public policy degree. Mm-hmm. And he was going to start in Deloitte in D.C. And Trevor just randomly called him and said, are you sure you want to work for the man or you want to come down to St. Pete? So a week later, we were on a plane and here we are. The man by meaning Gordon Ramsay? No, the man oh. like Deloitte government. Ah. Uh, yeah. Like, gotcha. like a, a structured job where, yeah, you're, you're a number. So this was your partner that they were, yeah, got yeah. it. Okay. And they were about to acquire a bank in Miami, so they needed something that knew mergers and acquisitions, and mm-hmm. Jim had worked at Morgan Stanley before, so. Nice. How long it, have you and Jim been together? We've been together for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yes, 13 years, but I've known him since 2001. Wow. He was my roommate when he was still in college. Nice. What was the year you moved to St. Pete? Six years ago, my math isn't that good. 2012? There you go, 2012. Thank you. That was Sarah, good math. Was Sarah good is math. also in charge of math. Yes. <laughs> as long as it's just basic addition and subtraction, we'll be fine. So what was it like working for Gordon Ramsay? Intense. Was he actually there hands-on? He was sometimes, but a lot of the times he just came in with his street clothes on and his Rolls Royce. <laughs> Did you ever get to see him like scream and yell and throw food on the floor? No, I didn't. Uh, Angela, my chef... At the time, she did enough of that for him. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's fun watching it on TV, but I imagine in person it wouldn't be fun. So glad you didn't have to experience it. Well, that. I've heard in real life he's really much more of a teddy bear than they portray him. You're absolutely right. He, he's very passionate. I, I never saw him yell, and his TV persona is not what, you, what I know him as. Right. Well, he's very good at that persona, I must say. Well, speaking of shows, since we're talking about that now, 
You were on season 13, if I'm correct, of Top Chef? Season 10. 10. Oh, wow, sorry. In Seattle. <laughs> yes, I remember that part. And that damn fish. Yes. Was so close. Very close. Yeah. I know there's a lot of things you can't talk about, but you can talk about the experience, what it was like being there. It was an amazing experience from being in Las Vegas to then being in Seattle the whole entire time, meeting all of those talented chefs. And just being in the process was interesting for me to see mm-hmm. and experience. Do you all stay in contact? Absolutely. That's, that's great. I see that with a lot of reality shows, so I wonder how that all works. Well, you, you kind of know what you've gone through on each one of us. Like mm-hmm. even however you did, with the sh- did in the show, mm-hmm. you know, you're still part of that club. So mm-hmm. we absolutely all keep in contact with each other. That's really cool. So it seems on a lot of these reality shows that maybe the... the Contestants. contestants, thank you, are uh, kind of t- maybe typecast or orchestrated in a certain way. What was your experience with that? What do you think? I don't know that you know firsthand, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was the way that I was cast, so to speak, as the good-looking gay chef. Of course, right. So, <laughs> well, it's true though. Yes. So, thank you. <laughs> so, when, when you actually came here to St. Pete, was Stillwaters wasn't even. When I, when I came to St. Pete, I was actually going back and forth to D.C. and New York a lot. Okay. I was doing pop-up dinners because mm-hmm. I really wasn't sure about St. Pete. It was, a, it was a very, back then, I mean, it was only six years ago. A lot has changed since six years, mm-hmm. as you guys know. So I was not sold on St. Pete. It was very sleepy to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where I would land. But fortunately, I, I met Robin Dice mm-hmm. at Bella Brava. And from there, you know, over the year... We started talking, and they weren't actually sure if I would be interested in even working with them. Right. So I had a conversation with Dice, and once I said I would be interested, then that's when I think things started rolling with with Stillwaters. Mm -hmm. I think they had an idea of that they wanted to do the second restaurant. They just weren't sure how they were going to get there. So you didn't actually start off as executive chef of Bella Brava, which you are now of both restaurants, but... Actually, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. Okay. Uh, there was a, a big leadership change there. Mm-hmm. So myself and Lee Carlins came on. Mm-hmm. And we kind of upgraded Bella and then concentrated on Stillwaters. Nice. So, yeah, so you go back and forth between the two. You're kind of over both. Yes. For, t- fortunately and unfortunately, they're on the same block. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> By the time someone's looking for me at Bella, I'm at Stillwaters. Then I walk over to Stillwaters, I'm back at Bella. So. That's true. <laughs> it's, like, it's like an Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> who's, on, who's on Jeff? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, oh my, honey. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it <laughs> that way. Not touching that one. <laughs> Who knows where Jeff is? He, <laughs> he's, he's over there. No, he's not. He's over there. <laughs> so Sarah, um, Sarah Ellen. Either is fine. Brand ambassador, what is that entitled? So when we first opened Stillwaters, we were really interested in reaching out, obviously being, being locally owned uh, to the local community, but also trying to make a, a more permeating effect on all of our visitors that are, keep coming to our great city. Uh, so I was recruited in addition to bartending uh, to reach out to local hotels and local events, and I go out and spread the good word of Stillwater's Tavern. Yeah, Sarah is like all things St. Pete. <laughs> That's very <She> kind. <laughs> no, Although I was can. surprised, I asked her a question the other day, I was like, so what was the, what was before Ichikoro, and then it was... Cafe Alma, and then I was twice, like, what, there were two what, different owners what for was Cafe before Alma. Cafe Alma, and she didn't know. I did not know, that was before my time. Right, I don't know that one either. I don't okay, think, good. I don't know if there was a restaurant there before Cafe Alma. Podcast listeners, if you have this answer, contact one of us, please. Yes, please, yes. please comment. 
We love your comments. <laughs> we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Now, in November, come the longer evenings when folks drop in to play bridge or stop for a snack after the movies. So keep the refrigerator stocked with Kraft's famous cheese food, Velveeta, to spread or slice for swell toasted sandwiches. Velveeta's a natural for late evening snacks, you know, because it's digestible as milk itself. These days, you really ought to be buying rich golden Velveeta in the two-pound size, so you'll have plenty for snacks and also to melt for economical meatless main dishes. Remember, smooth-melting Velveeta helps supply the protein you expect from a main dish, but the price is low. Tomorrow, get Kraft's famous Velveeta. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So, Jeff, I wanted to circle back on something you mentioned before. You came here to St. Pete. You really weren't sold on whether you even wanted to stay here. So when did that happen? Yeah, you know, St. Pete, like I said, was, it's a very sleepy town. And part of me was, my fear was I'm looking at myself in 40 years. Right. And you're, like you're, you're, you're in New York and Washington, D.C. Right. and I'm all like, these places. I'm before. seeing people walk with walkers. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like this. That's going to be me in 40 years. And here I am already. So I was used to big cities, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of fast-paced environments. And St. Pete slowly started to become one of those places with Tampa and a lot of people don't know this, but I'm an air, airline airplane freak. Really? So once I saw Tampa Airport started to get more international flights, I was like, okay, this is a place where I can live. Right. Awesome. Do you ever go watch the planes take off? In Absolutely. Cool. So was that before Stillwaters or after Stillwaters? I think that was during the whole process of me coming on with Bella Brava and mm-hmm. then building Stillwaters. Mm-hmm. Opening Stillwaters opened up my eyes to this community a lot. You know, you really get to see, you know, what people know about food, how they dine, what they care about. It's very interesting. Right. That is. Sometimes surprisingly. Yes. Yes. So what would be some of those things? You know, I think I was surprised at how the locals, because, I mean, locals are very important to us, the locals react to restaurants opening mm-hmm. and their expectations were very high mm-hmm. and when when we count on the locals the most they're in it's right now and then in slow season through the fall and it was interesting the things that they picked up on right like drink numbers they would complain about why are they named why is the name the drink well we pick numbers you know well why is it named that you know little things that you wouldn't think of but after going through the process you know you have to kind of m- remold yourself in a different way mm-hmm. to I, conform to the actual location. Right. I actually like the drinks having numbers. Yeah. I think it's cool and it's different. It's an even playing field for sure. Yeah. yeah. It seems like some things at Stillwaters have stayed the same and some have evolved since you opened. Absolutely. Was, was that like maybe three years ago you guys opened? Yes, just over three years ago now. Yeah, and that's another thing that I you know, learned that you can't you know, stick to your guns at one specific thing like no this is the way the food's going to be you have to evolve with this community mm-hmm. because there's so many different tastes and and likes and dislikes so a lot of a lot of the menu items did evolve from the original menu right early on i was not a fan of the shrimp and grits the current shrimp and grits is one of my favorites in all the saint pete awesome and and actually when i had it again for the first time i don't know it was a few months ago 
and I was I was I forgot about that I didn't like them in the beginning, but Lori remembered. So I was about to order, and she's like, "No, you didn't like those. Remember, you didn't like them." I go, "Yeah, but like three <laughs> years have gone by. I'm, I'm going to try this again, and now I love them." Awesome. Well, I hate to tell you this, but in the a same. few weeks, <laughs> oh, no. I'm changing the menu. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So it's it's going to be more of a more southern tomato gravy. It's interesting, kind of taking out the mustard cue, which a lot of people didn't like. Mm. Um, the Creole mustard cue sauce. So it's going to be ah, a more so traditional, like tomato gravy from Louisiana okay. with a very dark roux. It's going to eat more like a etouffee or a gumbo. Oh, you'll like Interesting, that. Interesting, yeah. I'll like that. I'll just have to make sure I order like 10 orders of shrimp and grits before it changes. <laughs> and bring them home and freeze them. <laughs> I, I imagine we can make them the old way for you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but you might like the new one. It sounds more intriguing to me. I probably will, but I will still like the other one. Okay. I it's love okay. that the menu changes that, seasonally because that, it's absolutely. a little more of a winterized version of shrimp and grits, in my opinion, mm-hmm. from when I, when I tried it when it, they were in the testing process. Okay. Yeah. It, I'm, it's, I'm getting, it's interesting, though. I'm sorry to butt in here, but just we're talking my, about consumers and mm-hmm. how things change. And back in the old days of St. Pete, nobody ever changed their menu. Correct. And now it's like almost every restaurant, not everyone, but most restaurants that are on the cutting edge are evolving their menu seasonally all the time. Yeah. I mean, you have to stay relevant because mm-hmm. of. I mean, just food in general and restaurants, so many restaurants coming into the scene, but people, more people are in this area and everyone's, every day you have different people from all over the world. Right. So they, everyone likes different things. So you kind of have to keep on the cutting edge of our craft to be in this town, and to be course, successful. If you're going to stay local, you also have to go with what's available as well. So you have to evolve that way too. Absolutely. And that was one of the struggles that I had coming down here, you know, seasonality of ingredients is so down here i wanted to stay local but in the summer it's like sorry yeah you don't get anything local down here so i was like what do you mean where's the farmer's markets they're like yeah no i was like you can't always claim that everything's local because it's impossible to do that it's very hard in in florida during the summer for sure yeah i'm sure global warming you know (laughs) so stillwater's tavern it's an american tavern it's american tavern food uh modern american tavern with a modern twist yes yeah so uh what are how, what are some some examples of that? I guess any any item you pick on the menu. Well, you know, I when I was coming up with this menu, I, it was you know Rob and Dice had a very specific vision of what they were trying to create in the beginning. A, in the beginning, yeah. And I'll be the first to say it, it changed dramatically mm-hmm. from when I started. So it, the menu, I, the idea behind the menu was to take things that I grew up with and take things that I picked up along my travels and kind of turned them into dishes on the menu. And you use some Hawaiian influence in there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up with poke, so there's poke on the menu, still on the menu. It's traditional. Uh, that's one of the things that I got a lot of heat for, but it is pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. But so that's, it, that's a traditional dish, but, you know, on the shrimp and grits that you like, it was a more modern take on it. Mm-hmm. bringing in different elements like a mustard cue sauce from North Carolina, South Carolina. They can battle over that one. But <laughs> right. And in tr- doing a shrimp and grits, that's not traditional to you know, this area of the South. Right. Some people get stuck on tra- the traditional version of whatever. And if it's d- any different than that, they think, oh, this isn't right. I, I-, I appreciate the t- traditional versions and like them, but I'm all about, yeah, let's... Do it, do it a new way, too. Yeah, I definitely try to push 
A little bit. You know, I always say we're going to push them as far as we can, but, you know, right to the edge. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people just don't understand some of the food. And I'm glad that we have you here now because I have a special request. Your soups are always so good. <laughs> can you open a third restaurant that's just soups <laughs> and like a whole bunch of you your really soups? You really do. You have their soups. Best soups. Awesome. Best soups. The only problem is I would have to eat there every day and then I couldn't go anywhere else. That's fine. <laughs> I'll have to take that uh, under consideration. You know, we have a very good uh, t- team in the back, and I kind of give them that outlet to do soups, whatever. Just, just go with it and have fun with it, and they have. And I'm glad you're, you're enjoying them. Yeah, I mean, last time we were there, the special was a vegetable soup. I would never, under any circumstances, get excited about somebody saying vegetable soup. But I'm like, wait, where it's still waters. It's going to be awesome. And it was. But don't Good. forget the chili. We need like a notification that comes across on our phones whenever you have the chili. I'll be happy to text you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, but, but Chef was right when he was talking about, um, you know, the, the modern take on that and also from where, in my opinion, his, um, you know, his history and his upbringing. And that's really, it, it's subtle, but it, it's very definitive and it shines through, I think, in, in our menu consistently yes. with his style. So we right. have some great classics, like we were, you know, we're talking about the poke and the hummus mm-hmm. um, with the falafel, with our house-made falafel is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then just to turn around and do, you know, local snapper fish chips. Right. So, yeah, snapper's not normally used. Correct. Yes, usually cod or haddock. Right. In my opinion. Yes. So thank you guys again for bringing the delicious bubbles. What, what did you bring with it again? Uh, it's a domaine chandon at their etoile. Mm. It's a very nice. It's very nice. Bubble. Have a little bit of a buzz on, so it's good. Nice. <laughs> um, so, Sarah Ellen. Yes. I understand that you make your own bitters at the bar. Tell us a little bit about the bar. We do. We are a complete fresh bar, um, which we all take a personal sense of pride in, and we do make our house bitters, uh, several different varieties. We make our own Bloody Mary mixes. We uh, locally source our coffee from Black Crow Coffee, and we make our own cold brew in-house. Um, we have several options. Our, our brunch menu, our brunch liquid menu is fantastic. I think we have several different um, House My Bloody Mary mixes. We do bottomless mimosas. Um, and as I said, we aforementioned the uh, fresh bar. We use a variety of herbs, fruits, vegetables in creating all of our cocktails. And they are handcrafted. They are made to order. Um, and we, uh, we've, got a, we've had a pretty solid response, I feel like, since we opened our doors with our craft cocktail program. It's subtle, but it's, 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 it's refined. You say open the doors. Was that from day one or from day one? Yeah. yeah. We have some cocktails on there that are still going strong from, from three years before that are, and then I still have people come in requesting, we took this one off the menu, but we still pretty much have everything in house to, to recreate. Absolutely. And I'm glad you didn't actually conform to changing your cocktails from the numbers because I think that's really cool. It's a differentiating factor. It was a definitely a fresh approach. It was something that I was um, unfamiliar with when I, when I first uh, came on board. But it does, like I said earlier, it levels the playing field. So instead of looking at a cocktail based off of the name or, you know, it's comparable to several breweries in town that have just the straight black tap handles for all the beers so you're not influenced by the marketing. Right. right. Same, same kind of concept. Right. Right, like Urban does that. Right. Yes, yeah, that was actually what I was thinking of. So, and we do have twenty rotating beers on tap. Uh, half about half of our taps are consistently local, um, and so we do try to try to move through that. And we have an extensive bourbon selection for all of you bourbon and Scotch drinkers out there. Nice. Yes. What are uh, a, a, 
two or three of the most popular drinks that are numbered? The number three is our most popular drink, hands down. My favorite number, by the way. And has been. Oh, is it? Oh, well, so yes. Yeah, so the way that the should con- we ask why or not? Yes, we should. It's just I've always been a fan of threes. I'm left-handed. I don't know. We're strange. <laughs> oh, there's three left-handed people oh, yeah. here at the oh, table. That's, right. that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the only righty here. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the only one not in your right mind. <laughs> I have anyway. heard that before. Okay. No, <laughs> sorry, we interrupted you. But oh yeah. no, no, you're fine. So then, so the I'm number three is our most one. popular cocktail. Um, What's in that? It is. Uh, so we have Saint uh, Banyan from Saint Pete Distillery. Mm-hmm. We use fresh lime juice. A little bit of uh, house-made simple syrup, fresh raspberries, and fresh grated ginger. This drink comes out a frothy and shocking pink, so it's always enjoyable when someone, you know, mm-hmm. goes ahead and orders the number three. They come out, oh, I had no idea it was going to be pink. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's a shocking color, but it's, it's very refreshing. It's, it's kind of a take on a raspberry gimlet, but with a twist to it with the fresh, fresh grated ginger really kicks sweet, it up a couple sweet, notches. Sweet, not sweet. I mean, we make it bigger for everything to order, so mm-hmm. I, I have no, we have no problem adjusting the sweetness. I would say it does have a little bit but it is offset by the acidity of the lime and then, of course, mm-hmm. the, the raspberry. Sounds delicious. That's our most popular cocktail. Following behind, we have a take, our, our take on an old-fashioned, the number 68, is also extremely popular. We do use the Luxardo filthy cherries, which are far superior, in my opinion. Um, fresh sliced orange, a little bit of Peychaud's bitters. Uh, we use the High West Double Rye, which is a bourbon distillery out in Park City, Utah. Fun fact, it is the only ski-in distillery in Park City, meaning you can actually Ski into, into it, it on your on your skis. That's which is where kind I of usually fun. end up when I'm okay. skiing. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so you're familiar. Yeah. Um, I hang out at the and bar. then our twist to that uh, is topping it with uh, ginger beer. Nice. So we love, use fever love tree. Ginger beer. Fever tree is the best. Fantastic. It is. It's great. No preservatives, which is awesome. Yeah. And then the 22 uh, is also right up there in our top three. That is made with the aforementioned cold brew coffee and the house made bitters, and we use bullet bourbon, and that is just served over a large gentleman's cube. And there you go. It's and a great breakfast drink. And that's on tap. That is on tap. Nice. What's the, so the coffee with the bourbon, how does that mix? It's pretty delicious. I wouldn't drink it at 10 p.m. because you... It, You're going to be awake. Yes. Our cold <laughs> brew is very strong. Right. I'm definitely going to try that and the number three for sure. Thank you. I think I've had the number 68 before. It's, but, it's quite tasty. Yeah. So. So we want to thank... Stiller's Tavern, as well as Bella Brava, for being the exclusive sponsors of our happy hour list on stpetersburgfoodies.com. What are your happy hour specials? Because I know it's one of the best in town. Well, thank you very much. We do actually have the longest happy hour on Beach Drive. I believe Bella does run consistently with that, um, or cohesively, rather. Uh, We are open to 7 every single day, so 11.30 a.m. during the week to 7 p.m., and then on the weekends, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., I have... $4.50 $4.50 drafts, so $4.50 for all 20 of my drafts, and as I said before, about half the taps are local. We have some really, really delicious beers on tap, um, so that's a total steal, I think. That is. We have our uh, two of our tap wines. We do have four wines on tap, two whites, two reds, so one of each is going to be on happy hour. Uh, $6.50 for a six-ounce pour, $9.50 for a nine-ounce pour, which is really the pour you pour yourself, you know, $6.50 right, right. rush, but I was... Suggest the nine. Mine's probably 12. Okay. (laughs) Who's counting? You know, it's bad when you walk in and they don't even ask you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Our two tap cocktails are going to be $7 each, and I have $3.99 wells. Nice. And we give uh, popcorn to everyone that comes in. Yes, you do, and it's always flavored differently. Yep, flavored differently. We Mm -hmm. play around. That's another fun thing we do, and we have tater tots and fried cheese curds. And that's not just happy hour. That's just in general. In general. Nice. So you can have those any day. Well, thank you both for being here with us today. 
Um, everyone, make sure you go and visit Stillwater's Tavern at stillwaterstavern.com. Thank you so much. I meant the address. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's two, the, two, that three, is an four. address. <laughs> Sorry, www.stillwaterstavern.com at 224 Beach Drive. Northeast. Great. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our music segment is brought to you by One Step Media and Kate Reuter. One Step Media provides management, marketing, and booking services to independent artists, and Kate herself is a singer-songwriter. Our music segment showcases local artists, and today we have with us Nikhil from Napoleon the Wilderness. Of course, Nikhil will be answering the Fast Five foodies questions, or we won't let him leave. (laughs) Today we have Nikhil, lead singer of Napoleon the Wilderness. Nikhil comes to us via One Step Media and Kate Reuter. One Step Media provides management, marketing, and booking services to independent artists, and Kate is a singer-songwriter herself. So, Nikhil, I just really want to know, where did you come up with the name for your band, Napoleon the Wilderness? So, the band name originated when I was still in Gainesville. The band just started as this fun group with one of my friends, Connor Reaver, Mm -hmm. and he actually came up with the name after seeing... This painting by Max Ernst, I believe his name is. I found that online when I was oh, looking. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, yeah, he liked the painting a lot and just named the band after it. It was originally called Napoleon in the Wilderness. Yeah, because that's the painting. Yeah. Right, right. That was a little bit harder to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still kind of hard to say live, but... Right. So we cut out the in. Interesting. Yep. Oh, I thought, I thought it was because there was a guy in the band who was short that keeps his hand in his coat and liked to go camping a lot. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> oh, the way your brain works, honey. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Nikhil. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to hit you with the Fast Five Foodies questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So what's your favorite food? So, okay, my favorite food. I honestly, like I knew this question was coming and I thought a lot about it and it's a really <laughs> tough question for me. As a genre, I have to say Indian food. Okay. That helps but within indian food i would say there's a dish called pollock paneer which is spinach and cheese basically mm-hmm. which i really like nice it's amazing how they they can make spinach and cheese awesome i know right have you had that before honey <laughs> i think we i think we both had it oh okay yeah as long as it didn't have cilantro in it what's your favorite restaurant in st pete my favorite restaurant is probably bangkok nine mm, one of my favorites Central. too what, mm-hmm. what do you like to get there? Honestly, my go-to, I get it way too often, is the yellow curry with mm-hmm. tofu. And yeah, I pretty much get that every time. It's amazing. And I also, one thing I found out recently is that you can get the tofu steamed instead of fried. Oh, wow. And I really like it. So are you vegetarian or vegan? I'm not really vegetarian. I, like I try to eat, I don't eat that much meat. Mm-hmm. And when I go out, I usually... I like, I mean, I like tofu, so. Right. Well, that's interesting. I love Bangkok 9 as well, and I always get the beef Penang every single Ooh, time. Yeah. Okay. I'm really I'll bad about that. I'll have to try that. that. <laughs> so, salt or pepper? I think I have to go with salt, if not both, of course, but I, I definitely like salty foods. I like chips. I'll eat, I'll just go through a bag of chips, like nothing. Do you tend to lean towards that over desserts and sweet things? Yeah, I mean, for sure. In the same way. 
Cilantro, love it or it tastes like soap? I really like it. I figured if you love Indian food, you probably love cilantro. And can you cook? Oof. (laughs) I think I can cook like a couple things decently. Mm -hmm. If I had to say yes or no, I'd probably say no. (laughs) But yeah, there's a couple things that I can, I'm getting better at it. I'm trying to learn. What can you cook decently? Actually, in the spirit of my favorite food, one of, I tried to learn a spinach Indian dish. Yeah. So I, I learned that. And I can do pretty well. It's just, honestly, like, the spicing of it, mm-hmm. I'm just not not there yet. Just working on it. Yeah. It's, it's just playing with it and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So You might be able to find, like, a spice mix. Yeah, that's true. I, I found those at, uh, like, a savory spice shop. Right. There was a masala recipe that we published, oh, like, over a year ago. And you just go buy this one mix, and it's got, like, 90 things in it. Mm-hmm. That will probably work perfectly. Yeah, I should probably... uh, Not only 90, but a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today we're going to feature your song titled Daisy, which I actually listened to earlier today. I really liked it. You want to tell us about it? Thanks. Yeah. I... Wow. It's actually been a while since I wrote it. What's it about? It's it's about a girl. (laughs) (laughs) How did I know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, heartbreak, I guess. Partially, like... So the feelings are all completely authentic in the song. Mm -hmm. Part of the inspiration for some of the lyrics and the idea came to me from The Great Gatsby. Oh, really? Yeah, like Daisy Buchanan and The Great Gatsby. Oh, nice. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I really like that movie, too. I read the book in high school, as many of us did. Mm -hmm. And after seeing the movie uh, and kind of like relating to it Mm -hmm. again uh, later on in life, yeah, I decided to use some of that in the song. Nice. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Nick Hill. Yeah. The great Nick Hill. <laughs> yes. And now let's listen to Daisy. Popping bottles in a sundress I'm thinking maybe I should think this We got our hearts broke a month ago I'll toast, never in the night alone Daisy, Daisy, we could travel overseas Baby, baby, hop into my limousine If we hit those green lights, make it to the coastline Just like the old times I've been thinking all day long 
finished There's nothing left back there But broken promises And all those nights we spent Out by the water We wrote our names in the sand But then the tide came Oh Once again, that was Napoleon the Wilderness with Daisy. Today for lunch, we accidentally ordered enough food to feed an army. We thought we were ordering double cheeseburgers from the Berg Bar and Grill, which has amazing food, by the way, and we, and we did love what we got. Yes, it was just quite the surprise, because what I really ordered accidentally was two double bacon grilled cheese bacon burgers. So it was like two grilled cheese sandwiches and the burgers are in between them right so like instead of a a burger bun you had a grilled cheese sandwich wrapped around the burger pretty much around top and bottom it was crazy man and and the bacon is in with the grilled cheese actually which is pretty cool yeah it was very interesting their fries there are so good because you can tell they're hand cut and uh delicious yeah we love the burger bar and grill our lunchbox segment is where we read opinions and answer questions from our listeners We had one comment from last week's episode, that's uh, episode 10, where we had Shannon O'Malley from Brick Street Farms. We have a comment from Tanner Lobel, who is one of the co-owners of Pacific Counter, it's on Central Avenue on the 600 block, opened recently. Tanner says, we love Brick Street Greens at Pacific Counter. We recently started using their Thai basil in a couple of our drinks, and oh my God, so good. And just a little backstory for you, or trivia, Tanner is not only one of the co-owners of Pacific Counter, he is also the founder of Food Now, which has become part of Bite Squad. In news, uh, we forgot to mention last week that Bowen Moe's won Top Local Chef. It's an event put on by local shops. There were several uh, restaurants and local breweries uh, paired together. And Lori was a judge, along with Laura Riley, the Tampa Bay Times food critic, and Dr. Barbecue, who is a well-known celebrity chef from Food Network and co-owner of his new restaurant that recently opened in St. Pete. Some new uh, content on the site. We have a write-ups on the Artisan Gulfport Art and Food Collective, which happens to be Pinellas County's first food hall. They have an actual art gallery with lots, lots of artwork on the walls. Then the eateries featured are the Lure. It'll be the third location for the Lure with sushi, poke, and tapas. There's a bakery with breads and cakes and other delicious baked goods. The Port is the indoor-outdoor bar with pool tables and bar bites. And they also have a full-fledged steakhouse called Whiskey Grill. So that's uh, one new write-up. Also new on the site is our November cartoon caption contest. That's sponsored by Hunger Thirst, and you can win gift cards uh, for the Avenue and Park and Rec, $75, $50, and $25. So give that a shot. We also have brand new on stpetersburgfoodies.com, the 10 best craft cocktail places in St. Petersburg. And lastly, in addition to the podcast being available on iTunes and Stitcher, we are also now on Google Podcasts for anyone that doesn't have an iPhone and wants to listen on their phone. 
and we are also on Spotify. So if you prefer any of those apps over where you're listening now, there you go. Please email us at lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com with your opinions, feedback, and questions to be featured in this segment. This is Shannon O'Malley from Brick Street Farms, and you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. This episode's tip of the week is on table settings, and I'm not going to go in depth. This is a little more on the formal side, but I'm just going to stick to just a few basics. I could write a whole book on this almost. We sit down at a more fancy dinner. Last week, I told you the first thing you do is you put your napkin in your lap. But then once you do that, Here's one of the most common things that comes up when, when I've been out to dinner at a table, say a big round table with a half a dozen people or so, and everyone's wondering which water glass is there. Well, just think of it this way. If, if you're a lefty, pretend that you're a righty. And remember that you usually drink your drink with your right hand. So your water glass is on the right, and the bread dish or bread, bread plate is on the left. Drink on the right bread plate on the left. And lastly, what about when you have more than one fork and there's spoons and stuff? Well, you go from the outside in. So when the first, say, a salad comes or an appetizer comes, you take the fork that's furthest out and use that and work your way in. And, and if there's silver on both sides, it goes the same direction, obviously working outside in. Don't drink my water. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our guests and thanks to our sponsors. Our announcer is Candace Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News, and our intro music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast app, please give us a rating and also remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Good, I should kill you.